Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Today, I am officially a professional musician and podcaster. Hey, you've uh, upgraded. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, I took a bit of, it's a bit of a pay cut, but, you know, I think it's going to be more fulfilling. Yeah, well, I guess that's important. That's important. That's important. Yeah, you're, you're doing all kinds of stuff today. You're, you're no longer imprisoning people for profit. That's um, true. But but I guess that's you know that's one of those things. Uh, you discovered. Well, to be clear, I didn't, I didn't imprison. I I didn't I didn't imprison anyone. I just happened to supervise them when they were imprisoned by others. But, Understood. I but don't, I was I don't doing it for to, profit. Sure, and I, I I don't mean to to toss you under the bus there. Like if if anybody <laughs> deserves to be to going to jail, it's the CEO of the company. You know. And, yes, you're right. And so it's it's I definitely am not here to blame folks working there. That would be ridiculous. Um, you also discovered rapture theology. Oh, uh, what a bunch of wow! Go ahead. Yeah, man. No, I don't really. That's that's what I was getting. I wanted to get your reaction. It's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Listeners on on another podcast it's, that I it's do. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. On, on another podcast that I do. Um, we we have actually uh, one or two episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks about rapture theology. Um, which maybe we'll maybe we'll spend a few minutes and talking about it on this and cross pollination. Uh, we can have two different kinds of conversations. Uh, what happened was uh, my my co-host of the podcast, her name is Joe. Uh, the podcast is called "What the Hell Is a Pastor." We'll promote it. I'll I'll put it on. I'll put it up there. You know, sure. Close this one up. Um, but the pod, the, my co-host, her name is Joe. She and I, and and our other good friend Corey, reviewed a movie from the seventies uh, called "A Thief in the Night," which is essentially a a, a piece of rapture theology and a, or uh, propaganda. It's propaganda. I mean, all Christian films are <laughs> propaganda. The the very very few that aren't. But this one is, and it's designed to scare. Well, actually, and I think I talked about it in the in the in the review. What I never understand well about these Christian films is that these are films that are obviously for Christians. So I'm I'm really not entirely sure what the point of these films are, other than to make Christians, you know, like kind of feel good, you know, in that moment. I um, think it's to tighten tighten the screws on the thumbs of the Christians that you already have. That's what it's for. <laughs> fair, that's fair. <laughs> but it's a story about um, the end times, right? And you have characters that go go up to heaven and characters that stay on earth, and it's it's a bunch of nonsense. If you if you're just sort of tangentially um, uh, uh, connected at all, listeners to to you know like your your aunt on facebook who's been talking about this you know for as long as you can think of it it's essentially that and part of my story as a christian for those who are interested is that uh i have i have two very devout very not crazy parents you know who who just who are christian people who are not nuts 
Um, and so I never, like, I was always sort of aware of some of this stuff as I was growing up, but I never really, you know, I, I'd always, I'd always sort of assumed it was relatively new and it is relatively new compared to 2000 years of the Christian tradition, but it's, it's not relatively new in the way I thought it was new. Like I was first made really aware of these kind of end timey rapture theology people when Barack Obama got elected because everybody was like, oh, well, he must be the Antichrist. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's probably not, but, you know, whatever. Um, but it's wild, man. It, uh, it, it's wild. Matt, Matt, what, what are your thoughts? What, what is when you when you listen to that episode, like and you and you're finding out like, wow, there's a relatively large segment of the population um, but yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on it from listening? Well, I just it's going to sound rude, but I just feel like how can anybody be that stupid? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just it's so fantastical. It's so it's so out there. Um, I just don't know how anybody could buy it without like severe indoctrination, like from a very early age, just having this, this mythology pounded into your brain and how anybody could not question or doubt it or argue it, or just be like, this is, this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't yeah. understand it. And I know that there's a large segment of the population out there that really believes this stuff. And it's just kind of like, it doesn't, it makes QAnon not so surprising, you know, it just like yeah, yeah, people, yeah. Will, people will buy into anything that, that they think gives them power, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I find it all just silliness. Of course, I find a lot of the stuff in the Bible silliness as well. So sure. we can, <laughs> we can go there. Hey man. But, yeah, no. I, well, and I think that's what, that's what sort of makes this all kind of funny, right? Like we mentioned this episode has not dropped yet, but the last, the last time we, we chatted or maybe the second to last time we chatted one of the things that that we said was you know i think that for a lot of folks sort of outside of the theology world including me you know i i entered into the theology world as a young man you know i started studying theology when i was 23 you know i think what folks outside of the theology world are surprised to find out is that theology is uh, you know, not talking about your imaginary friends. You know, theology has to right. do with questions of, of ultimate concern. A theologian named Paul Tillich used to talk like that. Theology is questioning things that are that that have to do with the things you're ultimately concerned with. You know, it it, it involves asking questions about existence, and it involves asking questions about meaning, and and. And and yeah, it's philosophy in that way, but but theology has a has sort of a more fundamental layer in which we 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 talk about creatureliness and how well uh, maybe one of the things that philosophy misses when it's pure philosophy is uh, maybe there's really no such thing as a machine, you know, kind of outside of this sort of human world, right? And so when you approach theology in those ways, then it becomes, okay, well, well, living beings, how they exist, what it means to exist, how one communes or connects with the ultimate, you know, th those are things that 
I suppose if you were a Richard Dawkins kind of a person who, who, who says there is no such thing as the ultimate, which is in its of itself the ultimate. Like he just he just gave the ultimate. You know, I suppose if you're somebody like that, those questions aren't that interesting. But like, there's a whole history of really kind of detailed and long and thoughtful questioning and living into and techniques that are developed over over the course of thousands of years of good faith actors like wanting to engage with this stuff right and so yeah it's okay if if somebody says yeah there's stuff in the bible that 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 is really weird and i'm like yeah man there's stuff in the bible that folks in the second century also thought there was stuff in the bible that was really weird and so they developed techniques to to find meaning in that and, and and do this kind of work when you i say all of that to be like when you live in that world and then you like encounter rapture theology, then you go, oh, yeah, OK, this is why people think Christians are nuts. Like this is why, because <laughs> right. because it's because it's not theology in any real in any sense that like uh, a theologian from the second century would be able to identify like like, well, what are mm-hmm. you talking about? You know, you're you're well. And then and then this will happen. They're like, yeah, you're describing a dream that you had when you had a fever <laughs> like like you're not you're not talking about theology what do you think theology is i we'll love it we'll i love guess it. the thing the thing for me about it is um it seems to be there seems to be some cognitive dissonance right mm. between like what the message of jesus christ and what the message of god has is supposed to be that of uh of love and acceptance and and community and all of that is tossed aside with this rapture theology where you're, you're kind of like in a club, right? You have to be, you have to be special instead of everyone being um, a unique creation of God and everyone sharing equally in this kingdom of God is the way that I read at least the Bible to, to me, that's how it's supposed to be understood. This, this is kind of like, um, you know, the, the high school cheerleader team thinking that they're, they're better than everyone else. And they can, they can prove it by, by this, this, and this, and, uh, it's going to be somehow, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be, um, validated, you know, at some point in the future, whenever all this mythological stuff sort of happens. And, and, and it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, Come on, <laughs> get yeah. out of my face with that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and, I think and you I take s- things like you take oh, things like where, like you know, the the revelation. Everybody brings up. Uh, look, look, the revelation to me is not that different in in the in the in the view of a of a of a rapture mentality. The revelation is not really any different than like the the predictions of Nostradamus, right, sure. or any other person that wants to you know predict the future using numerology or any other craziness um and it, it's no more valid than that but that's not how i think the revelation is like i think the revelation in in the bible is talking about like the roman empire and talking about yeah. things that are going on for real not like mythological things that are supposed to come to pass and it's to it's to give an oppressed people some hope it's not to give sure. you know 
white people 2000 years later, uh, a superiority complex exactly. over like somebody that ate meat on Friday or that, you know, had sex before they got married. It's just, it's right. not, that's not what it was for. And you're mis you're misreading it. If that's how you, if that's what you believe, I think. And I think you're right. I think what's kind of funny about the book of revelation is, you know, there's this kind of weird, there's this weird sense in which um, the book of revelation is sort of looked at as this kind of great cosmic mystery. And in certain ways it is like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's not because there are simply parts of that book that, that no scholar can, can be like, I have, I know what's going on here. Like, really it's honest allegorical and though it's, it's it, it allegorical. is allegorical it, but 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 that's my point like my point is is like there's there's the book of revelation is a mystery in one way but in but in other far more important ways it is not like like what could this mean well biblical scholars can tell you what it means what it means is the book of revelation is a book of apocalyptic literature which means that it is attempting what the word apocalypse means is uh, uh, peeking behind the veil, you know, removing the veil. That's what apocalypse means. Mm -hmm. And apocalyptic literature is literature written by oppressed people. We know this. It's a genre of literature. There are many apocalypses. Um, it's a genre of literature written by oppressed people speaking in a way that um, on purpose cast uh, 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 their concrete situation in um, fantastic and mythological ways in order to communicate with each other. That's the answer. Right. And so, and so we know what 666 means. We already know what it means. Like, like there is, that's not a mystery, you know, <laughs> like, right. when, when people are like, oh, what, what's the number of the beast? The number of the beast is 666 and we've decoded it. It means Nero. It's a mm -hmm. it's a question about the emperor. The the people here are, you know, the book of Revelation is a piece of apocalyptic literature written by oppressed Christians uh, and and is taught to, to, like you said, give them hope. But is talking about the empire and 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 the evils that are happening in the empire in a coded language so that they don't get in trouble um and to also look to the future is the other thing apocalypse does it it looks to the future to try to articulate what god is doing and what god will do that's the answer and so and it it, it really is there are individual parts in the 23 chapters of revelation that scholars are like I don't know what this means, but we know what 666 means, and we know what a lot of other things mean. When rapture theologians approach the text as if it is a code book for the end, as if, as if um, the number of the beast is the, or, or the beast is yet to be determined. When we actually know who the beast is, the beast is Nero. <laughs> like, we know who the beast is. We already know. Like, it's we already know who it is. You know, the the beast is the emperor of Rome. Like, there's some great commentaries and preaching moments that use the Book of Revelation to read our current situation, right? You know, and there's there's startling and and fun fun and startling moments where um, fucking Ted Cruz 
sounds a heck of a lot like the prophet of the beast in the book of Revelation. And Trump sounds a heck of a lot like because, the beast in the book of Revelation. Because it's allegory. <laughs> it's it's right, supposed right. to be malleable in that way. You're supposed to be able to apply it to your own situation. Like, of course. Yes, absolutely. And 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 so when and I always find it humorous when sort of these rapture theologians <laughs> either are like, yeah, we gotta we gotta somehow locate and, and match everything up and make it all work, or uh, read it in such profoundly bizarre ways. Like that was something that I I found so interesting about this movie that we reviewed on our other podcast, where where you know I had heard from on from crazy people on Facebook that that the number of the beast is uh, is is some kind of thing that allows uh, people who are marked to participate in the capitalist economy and people who are not marked to not be able to. And, and, and you don't want to get marked because then that would mean you're part of the world government. And I'm like, okay, well, none of that is in the book of revelation. That's, that's an, there's not even a remote resemblance to any of that. And, And also like, you know, well, the vaccine, the vaccine passports. People aren't going to be allowed to shop at shop at places unless they've got the vaccine. Number of the beast, and I'm I'm like, credit cards. <laughs> like, what do you want? You know, like, like I raise you literally everything else. The entire concept of citizenship in general <laughs> would would be that. You know, like, what are you talking about? I love it. I love crazy people. I love that stuff. But I just don't what I don't understand is how so many people can be can be that involved in it or that immersed by it that it, it influenced their lives to such a degree that it has such a negative impact. Because like I mean, my 13-year-old brain, whenever I was getting thrown out of confirmation classes, was like, This is bullshit, you know? Like right. I, I, like how do you buy that? Like I don't I don't get it. Like it's just it, it, that's akin to like watching a movie like The Omen or something like that sure. and going, oh, well, that must be true. Or or watching like The Exorcist and going, oh, well, that must be what demonic possession is all about. You know, they're stories. Mm-hmm. They're just stories. Sure. And they and they may have like an underground kind of uh, uh, moral background or they may have some sort of message in them for the people that are supposed that they were supposed to be. Uh, written for but i mean so does so does goldilocks and so does hansel and gretel i mean those yeah. those stories have have the same sort of allegorical themes and meanings and it, it's like to buy into it, it it just seems like it's being used to to manipulate people as many think most things are mm-hmm. and and i just don't i don't i don't understand the uh how people can be so gullible sometimes <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I think that I think that as as a as a pastor person or as somebody who used you know who used to be a pastor, might be a pastor again one day. I don't I don't really have. I'm not nearly as frustrated with people sort of being, sort of believing strange things. I encounter that all the time, you know, and 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 there there's plenty oh, sure. of we encounter it and, and, and other things we we encounter that in things other than religion too uh, so it's not just absolutely. an indictment of of christianity but but my point absolutely but my point is is that I, I what what always frustrates me about this is how cruel it makes people 
is that this is this is ultimately mm-hmm. a, a a really cool thing to believe you know and 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 somebody who believes um i don't believe this but but somebody who who believes that um uh every evil thing we do is like another nail in, in the hand of jesus christ you know sometimes you hear stuff like that um i i'm if somebody really wanted to, me to push back against that, I absolutely would. But if somebody, it, but if this helps somebody understand that this is why we need to treat the least of these well and 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 be a better person because of it, let people believe what they want to believe. That, that's all fine. It then becomes about practice, right? And, and I think that that this is. I've never met anybody. I've never met anybody believe that they are a part of the privileged chosen race and have that belief uh turn them into good people you know right (laughs) i've never i've never i've never met anybody like that you know i've never met anybody who who's like well here's the thing you know i have been ordained by god to be magic and you have not and this is why (laughs) what like like this is this is why I am going to be a good person now? No, it just doesn't compute. I've been reading all kinds of stuff in Black Studies about, you know, slavery and the history of slavery and, and some different th- things like that. And, and it, it's really shocking, at least to me now, to any, hopefully all of us now, when you read uh, these sort of white uh, uh, colonial like preachers and priests kind of wonder out loud as they're writing in their journals, you know, man, why are these slave owners not all that interested in treating their slaves well? Well, I mean, <laughs> because they don't consider their slaves people. That's why yeah, like they don't, they, <laughs> they, they think they're a part of the master, you know, race. Like, like, I don't know why they would, treat them well at all you know like that's the answer um i and and i for me i think that this the rapture theology stuff is so cruel i mean it's cruel all the way down and and it and i think it makes people into not only kind of gullible dangerous people right you know there's a direct link between rapture theology and QAnon. yeah you know like like it's ultimately a perfect circle um, but like, it's just, it's just a bunch of nonsense. If it turns out to be right. And in, in a year, all these evangelicals get raptured into space and disappear. Maybe we'll have universal health care here on earth. You know, like that might be nice. Wouldn't, wouldn't, that's what means like part of me wishes it were true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know it's not, but part of me wishes it were true. Like you're telling me that every like bigot and sadist that has proclaimed that jesus is their savior is going to be whisked away from society for eternity i mean don't let the door hit you in the ass like yeah, go bye. <laughs> <That'd be great. laughs> we might get some work done maybe here. the rest of us <laughs> could get some shit done right <laughs> yeah jesus no i i i hear you man i do that's silly that's silly transition before i i 
I'm working on some theology stuff that I, I, I might I might share with you here before we're done. But uh, mm-hmm. the little the Lil Nas stuff. Have you been following all that? The the rapper Lil Nas. You, you should look it up because it's pretty fascinating. But but so there's this there's this rapper Lil Lil Nas Lil Nas Lil Nas X. Uh, I don't listen to any of his music. Just not that interested. But he did the <laughs> Old Town Road song with Billy Ray Cyrus. That was did popular. he get a Grammy for it? He might have gotten a <laughs> Grammy for it. I don't know, but it was popular a few years ago, and uh, all these people loved it. You know, it had this. It was this big rap country crossover hit, right? You know, and 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 you had you had these redneck Confederates. Not let's go with Confederates. I don't mean redneck because redneck <laughs> is, is relative. Let's go with Confederates. Confederate. You got these Confederates. You know, who are who are just like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, I don't really like to listen to rap. Read. I don't like to listen to black music. Let's be honest for a second because I'm a racist. <laughs> but uh, but but this this old town road song's great. And then Lil Nas, like after after he made like a shit zillion dollars off, it was like, hey, guys, I'm gay. Like and he came out as gay and, and this is sort of big deal. And and like people were just like. You had you had this segment of the population who were just so disturbed and offended. It was it was the most outrageously dumb thing in the world. Well, he just put out a song. I actually can't tell you the name of the song off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up. It's like Monera or something like that. Um, where in the music video, Lil Nas uh, dresses in all these provocative, like like he, he kind of cross dresses in all these different things, and he. He, he's very provocative and very sexual and stuff. And in the music video, he he gets on a a a, a pole like a stripper pole, and he stripper poles his way down to hell, and he gives Satan a lap dance in the music video. And mm-hmm. and like and you know you already had like uh, Fox News freaking out about WAP. Holy shit! These guys, these they just went totally off the rail. Like, like, and I always loved it because you know that meant your grandma was watching WAP and Lil Nas more than you were. Like, like they just sit there and it's just like Lil Nas is 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 gyrating on Satan and 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 Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are scissoring and it's great. And and Lil Nas is just he's just laughing. He's just counting all of his money. He's just he's like the best day of his fucking life. And uh, Sharon Osborne complained about it. And I and I said it's too satanic. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like Sharon, <laughs> you're you're married to the Lord of Darkness. What are you talking What's about? What's the matter with you, man? Like, like and for me, I said I watched this video, I was like whatever fucking Mick Jagger sings about making you know girl so hot that she could make a dead man come so like I don't really know what everybody's <laughs> fucking pissed off about you know like there's fucking you know, have you ever listened to a little band called Black Sabbath give me a damn break you know <laughs> like like holy shit like little Nas I wonder if there's more to this than he's dancing on Satan <laughs> perhaps well it's funny because as you were describing like the story of what happened, I was like, yeah, yeah, so, and like, like nothing right. you said was like that. Well, so what? Like, <laughs> why get upset? You know, 
uh, and Sharon Osborne of all people. <laughs> like, 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 what is wrong with these people? You, you know, like, where, do these, where does this, where does this come from, Ethan? I don't get it. I don't either, man. And like, the satanic panic is is a, you know, a constant. One of these days. Well, yeah, I, fact, I mean, I lived through the satanic panic, man. That was what that's what got me into Metallica, you know? Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the satanic panic was a real business. thing, but I, the satanic panic wasn't an actual thing. Like, no, like nobody, like nobody did that. Like, there was people that like killed themselves or whatever, but it was because of the satanic panic. It wasn't because right. there was actually people in the woods like sacrificing babies. Like the entire satanic panic thing, like zero babies sacrificed throughout that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was all manufactured. Well and and there there's a great book on uh Catholic Church's response to uh like the witchcraft panic of the Middle Ages. Right. It, uh, there, there's this there's this misconception that that the Catholic Church kind of fueled all of this when really it was like a bunch of lay people and a bunch of like crazy ex priests who are like <laughs> writing books about how to spot witches and like how to kill vampires and shit. And there's all these like inter inter Vatican memos of people are like, how the fuck are we gonna? get these people to call down <laughs> like, like there's this story there's like there's all these stories of like priests from the vatican like rushing into villages like don't kill that woman like like there, there's no such thing as witches and they're like we're going to kill her you know like, and we're like, gonna burn you too because you're in league with her <laughs> yeah like it's so crazy but uh but i love oh my god when i and and like like one of these days on another Backstreet Hookah Chats, I'll have you listen to a, a an album by one of my favorite groups, Zeal and Ardor, which is a satanic uh-huh. black metal band that that's all black. Like it's written by a black guy, you know, and so he, yeah. he does. Well, that's what like I'm watching Lil Nas gyrate on the devil. I'm like, that's adorable. Man, that's adorable and, and and zeal and ardor this guy's like this guy's like there is no god there is only the devil and he'll only liberate black people who murder the white people that's how it's gonna go and i'm like fuck yeah you know like, like if fox news ever found out about you they'd kill themselves you know give me a break i loved it oh my gosh i've just been non-stop and then like it occasionally like hit me like like man there's crazy uncles out there who have had to watch Lil Nas gyrate on Satan over and over and over, and they can't shut it off because it's Fox News. I love it. Like it's it's the funniest shit in the world. And if nobody, it's not that great of a song, Matt. I'll be real with you. It's not I'm sure great. it's not. I mean, it's an okay song, but it's not. It's not like it's a terrible song. It's not like it's not catchy, but like it's not that great of a song. And so it's like uh, um, Ice T's old band. I can't think of their their name, but they did that Public cop Enemy? killer song. No, no, Ice T was oh body band. count, body count. Yeah, they did body that count. cop killer song, and then and then the Charlton Heston read it out loud, and and but it was like a shitty song. Oh like, yeah, it's a terrible song that like who cares? You know. Well, like, not like, only did he read it out loud, but he re- he read it out loud out of context in like, you know, condescending white man voice, which totally made right. the, the message of the song, like distorted the message of the song yeah. entirely. Die, <laughs> pig, die. It's like nobody bought the record until you, you, you mentioned it. Attention-seeking behavior. It's all attention-seeking behavior on the left and the right. Because Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Those people that are producing that stuff are, are trying to to 
to shock people into uh, buying the records and the people on the right are trying to shock people into tuning in to listen to them bitch about. Yeah, it's perfect. It works. <laughs> it's a perfect machine. I, 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 I always wonder about that, you know, like obviously the, the rage is fake, you know, and that's, that's something maybe not the rage is being produced, right? Like in, in people, but you know, I think, I think, quite often the rage that you know the pundits and right-wing media feel is you know it's performative you know it's not really surely they can't care about all of this this much all the time i don't even you know sure they like, don't care about it but provocation is big business my friend i mean you look at a guy like alex jones right the guy that's in charge of info wars he gets dragged into court over a defamation suit and the first thing he says is well i'm just playing a character you know, well, yeah. he doesn't say that on his radio show, but he know they know damn well what they're doing. Provocation yeah. is is an economic driver. That's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember <laughs> hearing about that. That's what isn't that what Sidney Powell is trying to do? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what Sidney Powell is saying. Exact thing. Oh well, no more person in their right mind would believe me that's a hell of a good argument well no one who no one who has a brain or can think at all would ever believe a word that comes out of my mouth yeah yeah you, you pay your money <laughs> except for except for you know the mass of people on january 6th and didn't yeah. you like go in front of judges and attempt to argue all of this like <laughs> what what exactly was the plan there you know i but the the most remarkable thing and this this kind of goes back to the same mentality as the rapture theology like even whenever it's exposed to be like ludicrous when it's exposed to be bullshit whenever nostradamus's uh predictions don't come true whenever the mayans uh, the world doesn't end because right. on, on tw in 2020 like the mayans said people still believe this stuff and it's like man how many times do you have to be proven wrong and they're always like well there's the one time that it's going to be right and it's like you're wasting your life you know <laughs> you're just wasting your life yeah that's what i think i think that one of the reasons matt why people hold on to this so much is i think there are a lot of reasons i don't want to make it all about one reason but i think i think one of the reasons is i think that it's really hard for people me included to imagine that the the world is often really just a random bit of incoherent nonsense you know like like i think it's easier to imagine for for many people that that surely there is a plan um i thought about this uh it, it's like it, it, this is what happens to me every time a new awful thing happens in the united methodist church right where this is what happens to me every time, you know, when Trump was president, like every time something, something absolutely dreadful would happen. And then it's revealed that Trump, like there, there didn't even seem to be an attempt to make it better or even capitalize on it. Like it was just, it was just nonsense. Like, like the first place my brain goes is there, surely there is a plan. Like surely there is a, a string of people who have thought this through and who are either allowing something to happen in manipulating something to happen, doing something on purpose in order to fulfill some goal. 
because because surely people can't be this incompetent or like surely people or surely the world should make sense. And whenever I think that way, I think more often than not, it's it's I'm wrong. You know, I just think that for for often eh, the world really is that random and people really are that incompetent. And and it's just kind of how it is, you know, and that's that's a disturbing and and a destabilizing thought for people. Um, going back into my psychology and sociology background, I mean, you look at something like the 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 Kennedy assassination, yeah. right? Um, this is a perfect example of how a conspiracy theory can actually calm people down, because yeah, the yeah. president president of the United States is supposed to be the most powerful, like untouchable individual on the planet, right? And to have a, a, a crazy person with a rifle be able to totally upend the entire United States government in an afternoon with three shots mm-hmm. from a rifle, uh, it, is, it's, it, it shows how fragile uh, even our heroes are, right? So, so it's much more comforting to believe that, you know, there was, there was a conspiracy involved and there was this, a cabal of, uh, of hidden power equal to the assumed or alleged power of, of Kennedy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of brings equilibrium or kind of brings balance to the equation. And that actually helps calm people down. And I think that can be said for a lot of things. I'm just using the Kennedy example of uh, 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 the Kennedy situation as an example. But um, it, it's it to have something random, to have you know, the lightning striking someone that has to, there has to be a reason that person must have been an evil person. That person must have, uh, you know, cheated on his wife or something for God to strike him down with lightning whenever like shit happens. And, and that's not a comforting, uh, uh, that's not a comforting way of looking at things because it, 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 it exposes the inherent vulnerability of all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that exposure is, is too often, really it's just too scary it's too often too scary um one of the things that i'm working on matt kind of as like a side project in in theology land is is to develop theologies of need like i'm really interested in thinking about need and vulnerability and 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 how as we kind of reflect on like human life and really life just created life but like as you really reflect on human life, we discover that like in, in a really kind of fundamental way, we are sort of bottomless wells of need. Like, like we are never as strong as we say we are, you know, we, and, and part of this is we live in COVID right now. So I think I'm thinking about it a lot, but, but uh, uh, it's also about like, not that I'm picking on libertarians, although I love to do it, but like libertarians, you know, kind of, are another one that that's sort of another group of people or ideology that kind of pushes against that. There's something comforting in sort of imagining, you know, oh, well, well, with enough training or enough discipline, with enough work, with enough, you know, whatever, we can sort of be self-sufficient when, when ultimately that is not, not only is that, not true like like none of us are truly self-sufficient like not really sure there's some gradations it's not like some people can be more self-sufficient than others that's not what i'm saying of course that's true but like there is 
there is a quality in a qualitative way. None of us are self-sufficient, not just because we are not the ones making trees come out of the ground through our own initiative or, or, you know, doing all of the things that we all are responsible for in society, but like we didn't even spring ourselves into existence that we're, we're contingent people. Um, but, uh, the vulnerability piece to that I think is really is really important because I think that's where then a lot of evil comes from, right? Not just the conspiracy theory part of it where we, we want to imagine that that there are there is this power, there's this there's this cabal, as you said, that that makes it so that life isn't really random. If you die, you died because of the efforts of some other thing, not because Sometimes you just die, you know, and, and that's just kind of how it is. Um, I think a lot of evil comes out of that denial of vulnerability. I really do. Like, sure, I, think, sure. I think the embracing but, of that is important. But from a sociological standpoint, it's also it also it's a, also a stabilizing thing. Yeah, yeah so, of course. Um, you know, we talked about this before. This is my my walking dead uh, the mentality. Yes. I said people have the walking dead mentality, like people watch that show or or watch other apocalyptic uh, or post post apocalyptic shows. And the the reason they like it so much is because they envision themselves as being like that survivor. Chances are, if the walking dead thing happens, you're a zombie. Right. (laughs) Not that the the cold, hard truth is there's not that many Rick Grimes is out there. Like, and it's probably not you, you 45 year old fat slob sitting on your couch every day who owns 37 guns. You're going to be a zombie. Like, that's how it's going to work. But like the 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 comfort comes from and and, it happens in society all the time, like the Cold War the 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 drills that i went through in high school for for a nuclear attack was to to crawl under your desk and put your math book on top of your head now right. this is not going to help you when a thermal yeah. nuclear so, so explosion that you can, goes so that you can die with your math book <laughs> yeah you're just going to you're just going to die uncomfortable but like it that it gives people the 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 uh illusion of power of, mm. of some sort of control over the situation. Um, at least we're doing something about it. I think 99% of the COVID restrictions that we have right now, not that COVID isn't a serious threat or isn't a serious disease, but a lot of the, the, the measures that are being taken are being taken just so that government officials or health officials can say, look, we're doing something. We're right. doing something proactive. We have control over this aspect of our lives, you know? Um, mm. Now, some of it's rooted in science, some of it isn't, you know? Obviously masking is gonna prevent globulates from coming out of my mouth and going into yours, sure. You know, standing six feet away from somebody, but only if only if you're certain ages, because um, if you're in elementary school, it only has to be three feet. These sort of like arbitrary things that they put into place are only done to calm the society they're only done to 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 make everybody not feel that sense of hopelessness you know um hunting i'm a a hunter i'm a lifelong hunter i've been hunting since i was before i was legally allowed to hunt i was 12 years you have to be 12 years old in pennsylvania before you're allowed to actually carry a gun but there's youth mentor programs and things like that it's part of my culture growing up 
mm-hmm. uh, going out hunting. Do I need to be able to hunt a deer to be able to feed my family? Um, no, no, not really. I mean, but it, it, but that that mentality comes from that from what you were talking about earlier that that sense of like indiv- individualism or self sustainability, right? That that uh, that knowledge that wow, if if everything went to shit, I could I could at least go out and, and hunt and and provide for my family. That's never going to happen. And if it did happen, I'd be just as fucked as anybody else. But like that's where it comes from, and it and there's a lot of positive things that that go along with it as well. Like it, from hunting, I've learned respect for nature. I've learned conservation. Sure. I've learned, you know, to be careful with a firearm. I've learned how to handle those, you know, but, but it all, it all stems from this like deep rooted fear of loss of control. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and it, I think it's, it's, it's shown to its, ext- its extreme in things like rapture theology, but, I don't, I'm not. I'm not trying to blanket statement all conspiracies or or, or all of these uh, social norms that we have as inherently negative. But yeah. but I mean everything in moderation, right? You can't you can't just uh, go crazy with it or you end up doing damage. You might be aware of this. I don't know. I, I was also a sociology major, but but I wasn't aware of this until I got to seminary. Um, there's a, a sort of a sociological theory called terror management theory, mm-hmm. where where that's that's what you're describing is is really kind of rooted in that that there is uh, um, politically, economically, socially uh, always the the sort of give and take of liberty sure but 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 ultimately dependence and interdependence in order plus a lot of political theater in order to um manage people's terror in order to manage our fears of uh whether they're real or constructed and i think that that's important there's another show uh that comes to mind that's a lot that's a lot less sociological but there's a great show i think it's still on netflix um, called Adam Ruins Everything, uh, mm-hmm. which now that you have got good internet, you should look that show up because I think <laughs> you'd really enjoy it. Um, but it's it's the whole purpose behind the show is is uh, each episode kind of takes another kind of element of our society, and then this character Adam Conover sits with his friends and and, and goes through why it's all bullshit, and one of it is. Uh, um, airport security and basically (laughs) basically yeah yeah it boils down to political theater and so like each each episode he's got like a buddy who's like about to to do it right like about to do something and then he's like i see you're i see you're trying to get on an airplane and and he's like yeah i'm very nervous because like i'm terrified of flying don't worry about that i mean like Trust me, if the plane's going down, there's really just no chance. Like, like it's over, yeah. you know. Like, like, and if it, if it is going down, you're not going down with any shampoo bottles, so you'll be safe. Yeah, so you'll be fine, <laughs> you know. And and uh, and it's like 20 minute episodes. It's quite good. Adam ruins everything. I, I I think it's quite interesting. But but that episode in particular sticks out to me. It's talking about political theater. And then at the end of the episode, he's all at the end of each episode, he's all you know. There, he's kind of brought everybody down to their lowest point. And he's like, well, I don't mean to make you upset. Like, like there are really there. Here are the really 
concrete and good things that are happening. Like this is this is something that is effective. And in in that episode, he's like, remember the the thing that that makes us secure is actually trust. Like the everything is everything outside of that is ultimately theater. Like it's ultimately made up. But but the reason why that our communities are safe, you know, and, and is is not because we've got security systems, but because we trust each other. Because let's be real, if you really wanted to break into my home and kill me, you could. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like it doesn't matter if I have twelve guns and I, you know, and I've locked the doors with all kinds of locks. If you really wanted to do it, you would kill me in my sleep. But you don't do that because we trust <laughs> each other. <laughs> so it was. It's interesting. I like that show for that reason. Like he's, he has one on death that 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 still makes me uncomfortable, where he's it's just called Adam ruins death, and he goes to the death industry and and funerals and stuff like that. And it's, it's great. But yeah, Adam ruins everything. I'll put a link in in the thing. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, Adam ruins sex is another good one. Uh, uh, where he or uh, another one of my favorites is. Adam Ruins Restaurants, where he just talks about the history of tipping and, and where that comes from and, and, and why restaurant employees are able to be paid nothing, you know, and, and right. have it be legal and, and stuff like that. He's an old lefty, like, like he's like the, the, the critique that, that fo- folks who don't like Adam Ruins everything will be like, well, it's, it's all, where's the conservative voice? And, and, and the answer is always the conservative voice is, what you think is true <laughs> you know like what do you mean where's the conservative voice you know <laughs> it doesn't make any sense it's pretty good but that's what comes to mind adam ruins everything watch it i dig man i dig well so, you mind if i wrap it up go for it cool. friends this has been another episode of who could chats with matt and ethan uh we will see you next time